0: Hello, and welcome back to another exciting, entertaining, and educational episode of Quarter Rest, the music podcast that sends your ears on vacation. We've got a great one for you this week, folks. Today, I interviewed Isra Fitch. Isra is a native of the Annapolis Valley in Nova Scotia and currently lives in Halifax, where she makes pop music so dynamic you can throw a stick at it. I mean, you shouldn't, but you could. So sit back and enjoy Isra's music. Music, 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 music. It's nice to be here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, Isra, I was just going to say thank you for joining me here on Quarter Rest. It is a joy to have you.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm super
0: excited. Oh, me too. So you are in Halifax.
1: Yes, I've been living in Halifax for the past four years and kind of starting this music career here. I've loved living in Halifax.
0: And where were you before?
1: So I grew up in the Annapolis Valley around the Wolfville area. So I grew up as a complete country kid, but I'll say that the city suits me a lot
0: more. Yeah. In what way?
1: I think there's something about Halifax in general. It's just like there's so many different arts avenues that everyone is in. And I find it's such a a perfect size for a city because it's small enough that you can kind of work with all of these different artists and these different genres and everything. And I didn't get that so much in the country as much as I love the, the folk music that comes out of there. Coming to Halifax and being around mm. all these drag shows and actors and visual artists and... All of that, I've just become so much more of a city person that way.
0: So there's a lot more going on, obviously.
1: Totally, totally. Not so much now, obviously, as we're just like coming out of quarantine and everything. But I'm starting to see things start to pop back up, which is exciting.
0: So you guys, were recording right now in October, mm-hmm. early October. You guys are coming out of quarantine and we're kind of going back into it yeah. here where i am it's getting worse again man. outside of the maritimes you guys are lucky you've got that maritime bubble keeping you
1: yeah keeping
0: things good keeping yeah. things dandy but it's getting worse here
1: yeah stay safe and in a out lot there. of places oh
0: man i am i'm doing my best mm-hmm. but what's annoying is you know we got some of our kind of freedoms and and ability to do certain things back and now it's kind of being reversed again which <laughs> I knew was going to happen. Totally. As we headed back toward winter, it was inevitable.
1: Exactly. But it's
0: still sad. It's still hard to deal with.
1: It's very hard to deal with. I think the nice thing, like, at least we know now our little, like, coping mechanisms and everything going back into quarantine. You can kind of find healthier. I think the first few months of the first time, it was just like, everyone was just like, what are we doing? Like, who are we? And now we kind of know the healthy way to, Figure this out.
0: Well, it was such a dramatic change. It was such a new thing, such a big adjustment that we needed to, you know, we needed to figure it out. And now, hopefully, we have slightly, yeah, as you say, healthier coping mechanisms than the first time around. I mean, the first time around was just, it was just like slamming into a wall.
1: Oh my goodness. It just went, yeah, life really went from like a hundred to zero, it felt. It was crazy it really how did. quickly it went too. I remember like rumors about it and everything, and then just one week, everything was like shut down.
0: I was barely thinking about coronavirus until maybe two weeks before everything shut down. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's just crazy. I, I don't. I've never experienced such a drastic change.
1: Oh my goodness, we're in such a wild year
0: right now. So let's go back to Nova Scotia. So you're, you're, you're from Nova Scotia. Not everybody necessarily knows what the Annapolis Valley is. Uh, but that's Nova Scotia. Yes, yes. Um, talk to me about like the music you were listening to as a kid growing up in the more rural part of Nova Scotia. Yeah. A lot of folk music.
1: So I would say my town is very like folk country heavy and everything. I started to kind of break out of my folk bubble in high school. I started really liking pop music. And I think I, throughout high school and in college, I, I felt that like pop music was almost like a guilty pleasure to listen to. I thought sure. maybe because it's so, it's so simple and it's, you know, it's created for like the masses and stuff. I kind of did want to be like this cool music kid that liked all the indie rock and all the experimental stuff. But I, I started to really love pop music and just the way that it made me feel. And now I, I don't look at it as a guilty pleasure. I just, I adore pop music now.
0: Did you also enjoy indie rock and experimental music and things like that? Or were you kind of just listening to everything?
1: I I definitely like listened to everything throughout high school, uh, throughout college. I was lucky that I was raised on like the Beatles and David Bowie. Like that was a big thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that stuff. Yeah, definitely influences music. But I think in my teenage years, I started to find a more narrow lane of like music that really stuck with me.
0: Uh, well, if you're going to write pop music, David Bowie and the Beatles are not bad places to start not because at really at their heart, that's what they were making was mm-hmm. pop music. Just really good pop music.
1: That's the thing. Yeah.
0: So in high school, you start to be drawn toward pop music. Was there an artist in particular that really jumped out at you?
1: I would say Lord, was a huge one for me. Okay. I, I feel Lord is a huge influence for myself. And also, I I think there was some artists that influenced me musically. I remember in high school also seeing Lady Gaga and just her whole, the way that Lady Gaga just is art and everything. That, I think, spoke to me the most in high school. The whole like, born this way, like being this crazy, unapologetic artist. Like, I looked at that and high school is like a shy teen. And I saw that and I was like, no, yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I want and everything. Um So she, she was a huge one and still is a huge <clears throat> inspiration for me.
0: Were you drawn to the music as well? Or was it the aesthetics or was it kind of the whole package?
1: It really was the whole package. I, I loved the music. I was, I was getting back into that like pop lane and everything, but I think more so it was this whole like being like I think and that's such a thing in the music industry right now is where you're you're attached to like the person and then you just like end up being drawn to what they create and everything. I think that was a big thing. That's a big thing I've realized like in the past few years too. you're drawn to people and then what they create. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I love this. I I want to drive to this song.
0: But it starts with that attachment to the the identity of the person.
1: Yeah, I think it, I, I think it can happen both ways. Lord, I was really just I was so entranced by her music. I was just that's musically that she would be my favorite artist for sure. I think Lady Gaga and many like comedians and actors and all of these people that I look up to, I'm drawn to their. Whole being, and then I, mm. you know, I go on their train and I end up
0: loving everything that they do. Hi, folks. I want to offer a mea culpa of sorts. You see, in my last episode, I did an ad for a company called the Thousand Dollar Chandelier Club. And, folks, I have to come out and admit it. I was had. Yeah, I'll say it. I fell for their slick marketing, their beautiful ad copy, and the entrancing quality of their crystal chandelier pieces. But as beautiful as those chandeliers truly are, the fact of the matter is the crystals contained have no more power than specks of dust from your floor. You see, I've been doing a lot of research about crystals these last few days, and what I've come to is the conclusion that there are two types of crystals. There's pieces of worthless rock, just absolute pieces of shit. They make look nice. (laughs) Oh, but let me tell you, they don't do shit for you. And then there are crystals of power, which is why I'm very pleased to announce a new sponsorship deal that I just clinched in the last couple of days. You see, I am now very pleased to be sponsored by Crystals R Us. Crystals R Us sells crystal ghouls, crystal gargoyles, crystal demons, and other various crystalline entities that frankly are beyond anything you've ever imagined in your wildest dreams. Since switching over to the crystals sold by Crystals R Us, I have seen a 40% increase in my vitality, a 40% decrease in my mortality, and a 30% decline Decline, 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 in sadness. It's great. It's amazing. Now here's the deal. You need to go check out Crystals R Us because these crystals, let me tell you, uh, there are things that we just don't know about, things that we can't see, things we can't communicate with our eyes. And these crystals form a sort of bridge with another world, a world of demons and darkness, but also of light and goodness. And these crystals, let me tell you, these magical, wonderful crystals, not magical, There's actually nothing magical about them. This is science, okay? Research it. I'm not going to tell you, just put on your big boy pants and go research it, okay? So look, these crystals, they can do things for you. And now, a word from our leader. I am the leader. You must abandon all sense of individuality. Only total subservience before the leader shall be permitted. So I'm not surprised to hear you mention Lady Gaga, because... I think I see a little bit of that in your kind of visual persona. So I was going to ask, "Where's your helmet?" Yeah, (laughs) you're not wearing your helmet. Can you imagine? uh...
1: Do the whole interview wearing a helmet? (laughs) Just like this muffled sound.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) we're having our conversation over Zoom, but um, to anyone listening right now, you should go check out Isra's social media, and you will see a lot of pictures of her wearing a large. Helmet. Yeah, I don't know if it's a motorcycle helmet, but it looks like a spaceman helmet.
1: <laughs> it's pretty it. cool. It definitely is a motorcycle helmet, but yeah, spaceman. I mean, that that could also be the vibe. I that was the first. That was the first step to creating this band. I drove out and I bought this motorcycle helmet, and the people in the store are just like, "Oh, so what bike do you ride?" and just like man, uh, I no. I don't. <laughs> it was the, I I looked so out of place going into this area, and I tried on this helmet, and I was just like, I knew that this was like the vibe that I wanted. Um, yeah, that the helmet has been a huge like visual element of the Isra Fitch band.
0: So you bought the helmet self-consciously with the idea of using it to help create like a visual persona
1: absolutely yeah i think there's a lot of reasons why i've used it i think a big one was to put just like the tiniest bit of separation between Israfitch fitch as myself and Israfitch fitch as a public artist and as the artist definitely i think because it's my name it's my face it's you know, everything that I sing about are personal stories on my social media, I'm very personal about my life and everything. Um, and so it was just like this, like almost this, this way to kind of protect me, I think. Mm. And my whole band has been, um, I would say the moral of it is being vulnerable and powerful. And so something about this helmet it was just like the best like visual indicator of still being like a vulnerable human and everything but having this like powerful aesthetic or this powerful persona at the same time. So i I've, I've loved using it. And like helmets are also motorcycle helmets are just badass and they look <laughs> so cool too.
0: It's a cool helmet. It's it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um like enormous yeah. like i i'm actually not sure how you would ride a motorcycle with such a big helmet? And I have to hand it to you for like doing anything wearing the helmet. I've seen pictures of you walking around, and, and you've worn it on stage as well, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a big, and it like covers the entire head. Totally, yeah. I l- it's it's you're you're you're. Your ice, your 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 head is socially distanced from the rest of your body <laughs> when you put that, that helmet on.
1: It is so true. It, it is such a, like, a spaceman vibe now that you say it. I, it's an amazing... I don't know if you've ever... Do you ride motorcycles? Have you ever been on one? I don't. One? Um, no. I've only been on the back of them, but I absolutely love it. And I, I wore that that same helmet, and it is, like, such a such a like comforting feeling having it on like i've started to just wear it more around the house and everything because it's just like it blocks out sound it you you know you can like focus on your breathing it darkens the room like hugs you in a nice way (laughs) i love it
0: are you someone who's sensitive to sound does sound sometimes bother you
1: definitely i yeah and i've been asked that question by friends and families. I I play in a few bands in Halifax and I I love going to shows. So I always describe my life as being very loud. And I feel like I have a very loud mind as well. And so I love silence. (laughs) I adore loud music. I love the shows, nightlife. But there are mornings where I just want silence or like drives in the car where my brothers are putting on music and i'm like no 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 no. like let's just like drive and silent like i need that space
0: i know what you mean sometimes in the car i mean i love to listen to music or podcasts or whatever but sometimes i just i don't want it sometimes i just want quiet and my least favorite thing is when somebody puts on the radio or on some music but it's just loud enough that you can hear it but not loud enough that you can actually hear the details yeah so like you can't really you can you can't even really tell what key the song is in. You can just kind of hear like the drums and a little bit of the transience of the instruments.
1: Just that background noise that you just don't need.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I like having conversations. I like music, obviously. And I like um I like loud music as well. But I hate I, I I'm not a big fan of just kind of mindless background. Soft chattering nothingness.
1: Totally, and I it, it must. Maybe it's the same thing as me, where like you're you're used to you know talking with lots of people, like you you're used to having a pretty active like lifestyle and everything, and so that silence is just it's needed. It's such a nice little break.
0: A hundred percent. All right, I don't want to keep the audience waiting too long, so I think we should listen to your single. Um, can you introduce the song? And you just quickly introduce it. We'll listen to it and then we'll, we'll discuss it afterward.
1: Yes. So this song is called The Hollywood Kids. It came out this year and I created it with Dreaming Out Loud Records in Halifax.
0: Let's give it a listen. So that's an interesting ending there, you know, kind of ending with mostly just the percussion and a lot of the other instruments cutting out, which is not the typical way that songs end, you know, usually Mm -hmm. you end on a big chord, you know, and it's like the end, (laughs) but this song doesn't do that. Was that, was that a conscious decision?
1: That seems to be the way a lot of my songs end. They're just like, I don't know. I love, I love that final, that final I guess, like, beat that final, like, note in that song. It just, like, leaves you kind of, like, on the edge and everything, if that makes sense. I, I like songs like that where just, like, it ends on a word or, like, right in the middle of, like, a beat or something. I, yeah, I love that ending.
0: You like the kind of, uh, kind of unexpected ending or the kind of, um, half resolved feeling that, a song can leave you with?
1: Yeah, I think I like that. For me personally, I'm more drawn to that than, you know, the like, ta-da, like the the final like yeah. big end chord and everything. I like Here it to just... Here we are! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I like it to just like, you know, wrap up nicely and it wraps up like the feeling in just like a concise way.
0: Do you like songs that are on the shorter end or do you have a taste for longer songs?
1: Oh, man. The like pop musician in me loves just like under three minutes, like the radio hits and stuff. And then there's this other side of me where it's just like, you know, I, I grew up with David Bowie and I, I love these like longer songs that you just get to live in. So I, yeah. I, I'm I very split on that. Um, me too.
0: All right. Let's talk about the Hollywood kids. What What is this title referring to? Who are the Hollywood kids?
1: Yeah. So that is me as a child. I, this whole song is framed around nostalgia. Um, Okay. It really brings me back to childhood and my teenage years. I was a very dramatic thinker, a very reserved kid, a very reserved teenager. Um, Okay. But I would go home and I would watch all of these movies and be just, like, infatuated with, like, actors and actresses and these stories. I think maybe it was being a shy kid, I would see, you know, these people on screen just, like, light up and, like, tell their stories in this, like, loud way. Something about movies just, like, really got me through in some ways, as much as like music has in my life. Mm. And so the Hollywood Kids is really framed around this, that feeling that I had like as a teenager and a child, this like nostalgic, like delusion of like living in this like Hollywood world. I think I always, I wanted to see myself in it. And I had this, the Hollywood Kids is also very framed around a, an amazing friendship that I had throughout my whole youth um, and we're still just best friends um, well, that's great it, it's amazing and you know he was the same way where he was just so infatuated with film and so we were these you know I, I would say definitely I hope he's fine with me saying this but definitely underdog kids that were just infatuated with like this bigger part of life And, yeah, The Hollywood Kids, when I wrote it, I was just like, this, I knew that this one, I wanted it to be the first because it was such an ode to just the way that I've started thinking. It's, yeah, I have this, like, shiny, shinier way of looking at life after living with all of these movies and all these stories as a kid.
0: Is there... Is there a danger in looking at things that way? Is there a a dark side to this kind of nostalgia?
1: Definitely, definitely. I am an overthinker, if anything. I think I, I can really live in the past and I can really live in the future. A big thing for me to work on myself is living in the moment. I think there definitely is, like, you know pros and cons. It's nice to be a romantic thinker about, you know, the past or just have like stars in your eyes about the future. Um, But yeah, there definitely is like a a darker side to that where you can get kind of like delusional and everything. I think a lot of, a lot of artists have that in them.
0: I think that's true. In the song, are you more exploring the, the kind of happy or positive side of nostalgia or is there are there any hints at the darker side?
1: Mm, that's a really good question. I haven't gotten that one yet. I overall That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I love it. Um overall, definitely just a positive positive song. For me personally, I think there's some there's some lines when I sing when I sing certain lines, I think like I was swimming in your pool on the weekend. Like I think that line There's there's lines like that that kind of like hit my heart a little bit deeper and everything. So it it is a positive song. I think there's there's times where I sing it or I hear it and I I do feel that kind of like just like a little bit of pain cuz I don't have, you know, it, it's looking Well, at,
0: that's the thing about nostalgia, right? Yeah, and I think It is painful. It
1: is painful, even when it's like a happy thing. Cause I, you know, adult life is very different. I yes. like the, the dreams of Hollywood and everything are very different. So you're looking back at this like relationship and this time where you just had stars in your eyes for everything. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like it, it does hurt, but overall, that's such a great question. Um, thank you. Yeah. Positive, but it it can hit me a little harder.
0: <laughs> well, I think that that is the thing about nostalgia. I mean, on the one hand, there's the dark side to it, which is, you know, you can get lost in nostalgia and it can potentially take you away from living your life now.
1: Absolutely. But
0: then there's also just the fact that even if you're experiencing it in a more healthy and controlled way, it is there's it's a bittersweet emotion
1: definitely oh my god you're
0: remembering a happy time but you're also missing it there's a certain amount of just inherent pain and like oh that's gone now exactly and i'll never have it i'll never have it back
1: i know that's always. i think so... that's what
0: nostalgia is
1: yeah yeah and so i guess the positive part is when you are able to either make something about it this that like feeling It was just like I don't know what came over me. Maybe it was just, like, a stressful time in my adult life and these, like, feelings of nostalgia for childhood came up. Mm. But, like, putting that somewhere, like, just channeling it into a song and putting it somewhere other than my head was just kind of vital for me at the time.
0: I think in a way it's kind of a perfect COVID song because I think everyone is feeling nostalgia for the way things were a couple months ago although it feels like 10 years ago oh my gosh right
1: yeah i think the whole like let's take it back again i think i think that was another decision why i wanted this to be the first single is because that feeling though this song is very specific in one way to my life it is universal like wanting to take time back, like go back to a certain time in your life. And yeah, absolutely. We all want, we all want that life we had before.
0: Absolutely. And, and we kind of know that things are never going to be exactly the way they were before. Right. I mean, think about how many, I mean, I'm just going to look at it from the position of musicians. Think about how many venues have shut down. My
1: goodness, I know. Think
0: about the restaurants that are gone. Think about the other small businesses. Think about just the, the shape And the landscape of our cities, our towns, it's changed. It's It's changed everything.
1: Changed forever. It's, and hopefully we can rebuild things. Like, I think there will be some positive, hopefully when things start to get better, things will just be, you know, organized in a better way and stuff. And maybe we can, hopefully there will be positive change
0: with COVID. Yeah. And I think there will be, but... You know, when you have a cataclysmic event, like a war or a pandemic, it disrupts things, it destroys things. Yeah. And even when you rebuild afterward, it's going to look and feel different than it did before. Absolutely. Now, now, that that might be for the better, it might be for the worse, but inevitably, I think people are going to be feeling nostalgia for... You know, uh, <laughs> oh my time gosh. before COVID.
1: A hundred percent. Even like I find, I don't know if you're the same way, watching movies now and seeing people just like shake hands on the street it's or something. It's weird. Just like, oh my goodness, where's your mask? Like, <laughs> where's your hand sanitizer? It's so weird because we're just humans. We do like adapt very quickly. Like now this, it feels normal to wear a mask. It's still weird, but it feels normal to wear a mask everywhere.
0: If you're used to wearing helmets, it might not be such yeah. a big transition.
1: Imagine me just like at Sobey's, like wearing my helmet instead of a mask.
0: I mean, I guess technically you would be you would be okay. They'd be
1: covered, yeah. They might like call the police or something, but <laughs> <laughs> be keeping the world safe
0: <laughs> against the supervillain in the big helmet. Yep, uh, Doctor Helmet. <laughs> we made it last, and that's the other thing. That's the the other. Way I think it's kind of the the perfect COVID song. Maybe not the perfect, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a good COVID song. Is because we're all kind of re- n- retreating into Hollywood. Like that's our sort of way of experiencing normalcy. Right, is to watch movies and TV shows and things that were produced before COVID happened, Absolutely. and we can kind of relive that that reality. That isn't our reality right now and won't be our reality again for a while. But it's a way of escapism.
1: Oh, my goodness. Is
0: to watch movies and experience that.
1: A hundred percent. That's what most of my friends, including myself, were just like drawn to the screen all of a sudden again. I personally have always just adored movies and everything. But definitely during COVID, it was just like this amazing... Vice, it is like escapism, and I think also watching movies that were familiar to you, Mm -hmm. movies that you love. All this, it's just like with music—you listen to your, you know, favorite artist again, and you feel kind of at home. Seeing all these like characters, all of a sudden, it was just like, okay, things might still be normal. At least I can still consume art and everything. But there were, I think, I watched. Have you seen a Star is Born? I haven't. Oh, that's it's a good one. Um Yeah, with recommend. Lady Gaga. Yeah, and Bradley Cooper. I think the first time I watched that, maybe a couple months into COVID, I did like I did tear up a lot. It was just like I think a big part was just, you know, watching them on stages. Like it's a big music film and everything. Of course. But it it was also just like you know, a favorite movie of mine and then, like, seeing these characters just, I don't know, do everything and in the same way, nothing changes. That's an amazing thing about, like, film. It's like, you have all this chaos going on in your life. You can, like, know that the ending is going to be the same in a movie.
0: Hmm. That's a good point. I'm not a big movie rewatcher.
1: Oh, nice. My
0: favorite, well, so... My favorite movies, I'll rewatch them every couple of years maybe. Okay. So there are movies that are like comforting, totally. that are kind of like comfort food, but I'm not somebody who will watch the same movie every week or every yeah. month. Yeah. I no I just I can't. Totally. I get sick of them.
1: But I also think that's probably a healthy thing. Like I could rewatch movies like it's my job. I think it's like it's healthy to not, you know, it's definitely just a vice for me and a hobby. But I, I think most people are like you. I think you're in the majority. Once people see movies, they're like, okay, I I know what <laughs> happens and everything.
0: Well, yeah, and again, I'll rewatch a movie that I really love, especially if it's been a if it's been a while and I've sort of forgotten about some parts of it. Totally. It's always nice to go back and re experience a really good movie.
1: Yeah. What would be a favorite of yours?
0: Well, you know what? You're you're actually transitioning me into the the thing I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about film a little bit, amazing, because you've you've mentioned how much of a fan you are. So so, what are some of your favorite films? And I'll I'll, I'll throw out a couple Ooh. as well.
1: Oh my goodness! Okay, my favorite films. So I'm all over the map with this. I, I remember as a teenager, Shaun of the Dead was one of my favorite movies. I I love, I'm huge into comedy. And so that was a, that was a big one for me. Also, you know, I'm in that, like, that drama bracket where like Silver Linings Playbook. Just, I adored that. I adored. That's a good movie. I loved that movie. It was heartbreaking. It's so good. I love.
0: Yeah, I have to rewatch that one, actually. That would be a good one because I don't remember it very well.
1: Oh, it's, it's so good. I think so. I I love these like funny movies and these like more like serious movies. I also am so drawn to movies with characters who are just obsessed <laughs> about something. I adored watching Black Swan, and I adored watching that's a good one Whiplash because it was just
0: I haven't seen that.
1: Oh my goodness! These like these characters who are just like so intense about what they do, and I think that was the same with like A Star Is Born. Um. Yeah, I don't know what draws me to my favorite movies, but I, I can rewatch them. Huge like Marvel and DC fan as well.
0: Mm. I'm not a big comic book movie guy. Fair. Um, I love like the Coen Brothers movies. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like a lot of the Coen Brothers movies. Uh, like Fargo, I've seen that like three yeah. or four times. Yep. That's a movie I could rewatch probably every year and nice. and not get sick of it because it's just really good it's so well made um i haven't seen the big lebowski in a while i should probably oh, re-watch yeah. that one see i do that's just, yeah those like it's just fun
1: those classics and stuff see i i feel it's the same with music for me i'm you know i get very invested in the new stuff that's coming out but all of these like old movies like now i'm thinking like yeah like i watched jurassic park so much as a teenager that's and, a like, good one. Oh my goodness those Those, like, classics, I do adore.
0: I I even like Citizen Kane, which is ancient.
1: I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It's,
0: it's, it's, um, you have to watch it differently than you would watch a a newer movie. Yeah. Because it's a different experience. Um, but it's a, it's a very artistic film. I mean, I, I think it's quite good. I would recommend it. You should definitely watch it. Um, and, you know. I'd be curious actually to know if you enjoyed it or yeah, not.
1: Yeah, I'm going to check it
0: out. Because it is a little bit it's a little bit divisive for newer audiences. Some people are just like, uh, this movie doesn't really stand up. It's just kind of old and whatever. Uh, which I, I I do feel that way about some older films.
1: Yeah, and they were they were just obviously made in a different way. The pacing in older films is so different. I think I, I rewatched Alien a while Mm. back. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that like that intro where it's so slow, it's so quiet, but you're just like, you're, you're in it. But like audiences now, if there was like a scene like that, they would, you know, turn off Netflix, like go (laughs) do something else. Pacing is different.
0: Well, yes, I, I still think alien would, would hold up today. I think there are still enough people who can, You know get lost in a slow burner like like alien
1: def when you know i think yeah and i think with that genre when you know that something big is going to happen with like alien obviously you know you're gonna see like aliens coming out of people and stuff and so (laughs) you're gonna like stick around so i I do agree with you there
0: the promise of the alien which is in the name is enough i think (laughs) to keep people waiting This is a little different. Usually when I have artists on the show, we have a couple songs that we can listen to. You only have the one single thus far. So yes. we're going to really just talk about it a little bit more. We're going to dive deep. Let's let's talk a little bit about like how this song was produced.
1: Yeah. So Corey LaRue um, is an excellent producer in Halifax. Um, so he's under Dreaming Out Loud Records and I had sent him.
0: Has he produced anyone that we would have heard of?
1: So Neon Dreams is a big, yeah, Neon Dreams. I know that he's been working with Ria May as well. He's, he's done incredible things in pop music. I couldn't have found a better producer for myself personally. I, I think I, we had our first studio session somewhere at the start of this year. And it just absolutely clicked. I I knew that this was, you know, the song I wanted to start with. And he, I found, we were just like finishing each other's sentences when we had like ideas and stuff. It was just like, it was so organic that way. It was the first time I had recorded pop music like this too. I think Hmm. I'm used to going into the studio with, you know, all of the instruments and everything. It was just me and Corey and the Hollywood kids and putting ideas and different vibes into it. I was so happy to work with him on this one.
0: So what was that like? Are there quote real instruments on the track or is everything samples and synthesizers?
1: Other than myself, it's all, you know, synths, it's all electronic drums. Um, And so this was, it's new for me and everything, but I love it. And I think I, I always knew that I wanted to be in this lane of music. I like what I do like doing with pop music. And I liked this about the Hollywood kids is putting in just weird little like sound effects too. I, I think, you know, you have the pop beat, the pop chords, the, you know, you can put a catchy melody in there, but also having those weird little like sirens in the back or these like 80s drums, like stuff to make it just a little bit more stark and not like blend in with everything. Um, Okay. And so that's, that's something that like I found Corey and I really agreed on. I like putting those like weird little things into pop music.
0: I I, I like that too. I mean, as a listener, I like, Little details, things that you might not catch on the first listen, I like totally. kind of that process of discovering, oh, okay, there's a little sound there, and I, I I don't know, I like the kind of intricacy
2: mm-hmm. that
0: that you can that you can craft when you're doing music the way you're describing, mm-hmm. which is going into a studio and kind of building it building it up from the ground up, yeah, can you like describe a little bit of what that process is like to have? you know, just your voice, a song that you've written Mm -hmm. and to flesh it out and turn it into something all in the studio. Because I think, I think it's, 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 it's pretty obvious how a band might write a song and put it together. I mean, maybe it's not obvious, but it's obvious how you record a band and sort of replicate a live performance. But what is it like to do this very not live (laughs) thing (laughs) in the studio? Like what is that? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So When I had sent him the track, I had, you know, made this full demo. Whenever I write, I do love making like the full demos, putting in all the drums, putting in all the synths, all the harmonies. And so the ideas were there. And so we were just figuring out there at the keyboard together and in front of the recording session, just starting to put in... I guess the backbones of the song first, you know, like the synths and everything. And then like along the way, we'd be like, okay, I think here would be a really good part to bring in this next element and everything. So really starting from like the bare bones and then just getting more and more eccentric on top of it. I He was incredible. I think our first session was five or six hours. And like by the end of the night, we had like, you know, vocals, we're tracked and everything. We had the like meat and bones of the song, and we went in. I went in one, one more session after that. Another like few hours just tightening things up, and I couldn't believe what it was like working with Corey. Like it, he he is just a mastermind when it comes to pop music. So it was it was very cool, like watching it all come together,
0: and. How much how much of the process was you dictating things and how much was collaborative and how much of that was Corey sort of saying we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that?
1: I would say he comes from like he has so much knowledge when it comes to this stuff. I'm happy with how little the song changed. I'm I'm happy that it didn't take on a new form. I'm happy that all the original lyrics and chords are in there. I think what was amazing is he was coming at it from this producer perspective and he really knows how things work. And so those two things, like my, my artistic vision with his, you know, just like knowledge of pop music and uh, really like bringing a song together. It ended up being this like collaborative experience. And then we just like, we would kind of love each other's ideas in such a great way. So yeah, I would say collaborative, but man, I couldn't have done it without him at
0: all. <laughs> He's so great. And when you wrote the song, did you write it at the piano with a guitar? How do you t- how do you like to write music?
1: I I usually write with a guitar. I'm not a guitar player at all, but you know you know a few chords and you can write a pop song. Um, so I did start. I remember it was like oh it was this late night. Yeah, I was here in my room and I started writing this one and, yeah, lyrics just started coming. I usually write with a the guitar, then bring it to the synth, incorporate some, like, drum beats, and then it starts to come alive
0: as a pop song. Did you record any demos?
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I recorded a demo of the Hollywood Kids and that's what I sent Corey um, originally and... Yeah, and so so stoked and so thankful that that was a decision I made. It was very nerve-wracking to send, you know, send a demo out to a producer that you really really admire, but I'm I'm so happy I did.
0: So releasing this song, this is your first solo song. Has this kind of opened any doors or Attracted some buzz, obviously, you're on the podcast here, yeah, so yeah, the answer is yes, yes. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Just talk to me a little bit about how the how the song is done, and
1: yeah, and how
0: you see things going forward,
1: yeah, it's definitely like opened up doors and stuff. I find in the past few months after the release, just really. Thinking about what I want to be as an artist, you know, because you, you are on interview, you, you do podcasts, you do radio interviews. Um, people are asking about the song, like, "Oh, what's about? Oh, like, who are you as an artist and everything?" And I think really figuring out that for myself has been a huge part of like the past few months after the release. I'm very happy with how the song has done and everything. It was never about numbers or streams or anything. It really was the the thought of like people listening to it, you know, in their cars and stuff. Or when they're getting pumped up to go out or something. Like those, those things really speak to me. And so moments like that, sweet little messages from people, um, that's what made me really happy about this release. And just coming off of that, really figuring out like who I am as an artist and what I want to do and be from
0: here. And now a quarter rest exclusive. This song was recorded for the podcast. Enjoy. It's called Summer Lovesick. So what's next? Do you have other singles waiting in the wings?
1: Yeah, so we are working on the second single. I am going to work with Corey again on this one. And I'm so excited. It was so nice. I loved working on The Hollywood Kids and I loved playing off the release of that. But somewhere in there, I was just like, oh, my goodness, I want to get back into the studio. You know, you spend so much time talking and, you know promoting a song and then you realize like oh, man I haven't been you know singing and <laughs> you know writing again and so it feels so good to be going in this like whole new story and whole like new vibe I really like I think that's why I like I would be more interested in releasing lots of singles um than a full album as of now I think that's also just like a pop pop artist move but you get to like you get to create this little world around each single like where the last world was really nostalgia and childhood this world really just feels like you know love and heartbreak and where i am like right now and so it's nice to revisit like just writing again and getting back into this new vibe so i'm i'm very excited to make this second single
0: and when will the second single be coming out?
1: We don't know yet. We are just like, we're just getting into the sessions and everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely keep everyone updated once we have that release.
0: All right, Isra. Uh, tell us, where can we find the Hollywood kids? Obviously, <laughs> we played it here on the <laughs> podcast. But like, let's assume people don't want to have to find the exact timestamp on this podcast in order to listen to the song (laughs) again. Where can people find your music?
1: So you can find The Hollywood Kids on any of your favorite streaming services. Um, Yeah, it's it's all out there. You'll see me in my motorcycle helmet and you'll hear a song about nostalgia and delusion. (laughs)
0: And should people check you out on social media? Yeah. Of course they should. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's my name, Isra Fitch, Instagram, Facebook. I man, I love talking to everyone on Instagram and Facebook. Like I I I just love meeting all of you people. And so yeah, I'm excited to meet you.
0: All right. So you heard her. Check out Isra Fitch. That's I Z R A Space. F-I-T-C-H. It's a cool name. (laughs) Check her out on social media, on all your favorite streaming platforms. And Isra, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.
0: And that's our show, folks. I sure do hope you learned a thing or two. And I hope you walked out a better person than when you walked in. A big thank you to Isra Fitch for appearing on the show and for providing a song specifically for the podcast. I'm sure she'll be recording it and releasing it at some point because it's a straight up banger. But she did do this specifically for the show, and so a big thank you for that. A big thank you to Alex McNeil, my producer. A big thank you to Graham Bell, my graphic designer. And a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in and giving all of your money. <laughs> Seriously, though, thank you for listening and giving me all your money. It's been great. Peace. This is your leader back once more. I command you to give all of your money to Joe. Only total emptying of your bank account will be permitted. All right, I'm going to go get some avocado toast.